Welcome to the Green Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Robert, and we got a very interesting and fun episode this week. We got a lot to talk about this week. It may not seem like it, but we are going to start with the new Shrixon golf ball that was announced. And then we are going to have to touch on a topic that I hoped I had never had to talk about on this podcast, but here we are. So we're going to have to talk about what the USGA and the RNA came out with this week and their findings and their distance reports. So without much further ado, let's get started. All right, so I'm going to start this episode like I have every episode of the Green Fee Podcast, and we are going to start with bourbon of the day. Tonight, I will be drinking Colonel E.H. Taylor. I was picked in a raffle for the opportunity to buy it, so it's a limited release. I was able to get my hands on it. Awesome bourbon. Highly recommend it. If you're not a bourbon guy, like I always say, bourbon guy or gal, I apologize, um, pour yourself Whatever you want to drink, whether that's a beer, a glass of wine, some tequila, cold glass of water. I don't care. Sit back, relax, let's have some fun. So this week we are going to start with the Shrixon golf ball that they announced. So over the last weekend I was at PGA Tour Superstore and I saw some uh, some new golf balls from Shrixon. Or at least a new box and I was like, that's interesting. But I didn't think much of it. Later that night, I'm sitting at home, I'm playing on Twitter, browsing golf Twitter, and I saw a teaser from Shrixon for a new golf ball, and I knew I had seen something pretty cool there for a second. So I uh, went back, took some pictures of it, and uh, waited on a press release, and on Monday, we got that. Now, what did we get? We got new tour balls, like I said. We got the Z-Star. We got the Z-Star XV. The Z-Star, the softer golf ball, XV, less spin, a little bit harder. Now, what makes this golf ball new, you're probably wondering? Well, the first thing is they have made the cover as thin as they can, 0.6 millimeters. So, six-tenths of a millimeter thick on that cover just allows a little bit more consistency, allows you to use the ball a little bit better. It's a little bit more efficient. In addition to that new cover, we're getting a new spin skin. So, um, Shrixon, they call their urethane cover the spin skin. And they have a material that they put on it called CERM, S-E-R-M. It was added a few years ago, and it is basically just a material that helps increase the grip on the ball. And uh, so when when you hit it with a wedge or something like that, it just grips a little bit better. So that's probably to make up for the fact that the cover's a little bit thinner. Um, and it's going to add a layer, one, of protection, and two, of added grip. So what it means is you're just going to generate the highest amount of green side spin as possible. With your wedges, you may generate a lot of spin, but at the same time, since it's a small shot without much speed, like chips and pitches, things like that, you need anything you can to help increase that spin rate. So the Serm Spin Skin is going to be a huge deal on this one. And then in addition to the Spin Skin and the and the uh, new the new cover and the uh, thinness of it, we're getting a new uh, dimple pattern. So dimple patterns, you may remember I talked about those with the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X. And how important that is. What, what the dimples do is they help the ball stay airborne and they help reduce drag on the golf ball. Without dimples, your ball would just pretty much fall right out of the air. There's a video online somewhere on uh, on YouTube. I think the PGA Tour may have done it 
where they had guys hit a golf ball. It may have been Titleist too. Um, but they had tour guys hit golf balls without a dimple. And you just watch it just like fall out of the sky. It's awesome. But this new dimple cover, the new dimple pattern, whatever you want to call it, um, is just a way for them to uh, provide a little bit more stability. But anytime the dimple pattern changes on a golf ball, it definitely needs to be noted. And it really does help with the ball flight. I know we don't think much of the dimples on the golf ball, but it does make a huge difference. So pretty cool. The other thing that's going to be great is for guys like me who play in a windy part of the country. Um, Dallas can get pretty windy. Um, you're just going to get that stability as the ball's flying through the air in windy conditions. Maybe reduce the chance of ballooning. Maybe when it's blowing left to right, it maybe gives you a yard or two back towards the fairway. Things like that if the wind, if the wind's pushing it the wrong way. So a little bit more stability overall on the golf ball. And then finally, the the final thing that I've really noticed about this golf ball is the new core. So they've introduced a whole new core. And what's cool about this core is the core is actually softer in the middle. And then as you get closer to the edges, it gets a little bit harder. Now, why is that right with a wedge? If you think about it, you're not swinging it as hard as a driver. So you're not going to be able to fully compress that core, which is good for your irons, because if you do, you can have too much spin, too little spin. If it's not performing consistently like that with your driver, you're going to be able to compress it all the way because of the speed that it generates. You're going to compress it all the way, and that's going to provide the optimal spin rate that way. So the core will compress fully with driver, but with your irons and wedges, it won't fully compress. So spin and launch will be optimized for those. I think it's a pretty cool idea and uh, just another way Strixon innovates. Me personally, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Strixon golf balls. I played them for a while. I, I like them. Biggest thing for me is I like their price. And it's, a cons it's usually a little bit cheaper than a Pro V1, Pro V1X. And... They perform just as well, so I don't really see why I would pay for the Pro V1. I think the Strixon's a great golf ball. I play Strixon irons. Um, I have a Strixon hybrid. I don't have their woods, but I would I would not play them. So I don't really have any problems with Strixon. I'm a huge Strixon fan, actually. Um, Cleveland Wedges, it's the same company. So overall, I think you could do worse golf balls than the Strixon. I will get a sleeve of these, test them out, hit them on the simulator, see what we think of them that way. But overall, big fan of what Strixon does, especially with their golf ball. All right, and the other thing I wanted to talk about, which I really didn't want to, is going to be the distance report and possible changes that the USGA and the RNA have decided to uh, bring up. I've never wanted to talk about this because I'm some jack wagon who sits at home and doesn't do anything and I have no real say in anything. And who the hell am I to tell you what I think about what the USGA wants to do? But being that this is an equipment podcast, it would be a failure on my part if I didn't at least talk about it for a minute. So what the USGA has done is they did a report talking about the distance increases in golf and how it is affecting the game. They did this a couple of years ago. I want to say 2018, maybe 2019. And they have proposed some new regulations, new tests, and new uh, new rules that they are going to come up with for equipment. 
So we're going to get a new way to test golf balls, and we're going to get a new way to test um, drivers. Possibly these aren't official changes, but they have been dis- they are being discussed. Um, one that's really interesting is the golf ball testing. Uh, the golf ball testing. Most people don't know this, but um, we've tested golf balls the same way since 1976. There are specific things that companies have to do to get their golf ball approved from the uh, USGA and the RNA so that they can be used in a competition. Now, those tests are pretty universal. Everybody follows them. You have to follow them. You know, it can't impart a certain spin. It can't do things like that. It can't go so fast off the club face, things of that nature. And it was really optimized for the better player, right? The 110, 120-plus swing speeds. And so the USGA is proposing that we look at a new way to test it. Um, I'm not going to get into all the dirty, dirty details of the new ways they're going to test. Um, but the biggest the biggest company in the game when it comes to golf balls is Tideless. And they had a statement that came out that said they're not too happy about the way it's testing or the way that they're proposing it tests. It really takes it out of the um, top players in the game's hands. And it's going to change the way golf balls are made. So I would understand that Tideless, especially after last week, watching how they do all their tooling in-house and the money that it costs them to do all of that, I can understand that they would be upset that they would possibly have to redo all of that. Um, the other thing, when we start testing new ways to develop golf balls, things like that, what the USGA doesn't realize and what they probably don't care about, and companies like Titleist and Shrixon and TaylorMade don't care about either, is those smaller golf ball companies that have really come out of the woodwork in the last, I don't know, five years. Um, I'm talking Snell. I'm talking Vice. Um, Cut is a golf ball that does that. The Kirkland Signature, uh, things of that nature. We, if we have to change the way golf balls are made and tested, um, there's a good chance that those companies no longer exist. And while it's good for the big dogs out there, it's it's not great for these smaller companies. The reason being is they're going to have to retool everything that they do. They're going to have to go to their producers who make their golf ball for them and make sure that they're getting conforming golf balls. All the golf balls that they've ordered, they're going to have to reorder and things of that nature. So it it could be a very big issue, and it could drive up the price of golf balls. I know a lot of people don't think about that, but the price of golf balls could just could skyrocket because now we got to pay for new golf balls, right, and, and new tooling and new things like that. So um, that's probably not something that the USGA really thought about and that a lot of people have also thought about uh, on Twitter, places like that. Um, These cool golf balls that we all like paying $35 a dozen for, that's just going to cease to exist in my opinion. Another proposed change is they are limiting the club length to 46 inches. Um, They're looking at doing that. I have no problem with that. Most people shouldn't be playing with a 46-inch driver in the first place. Um, what I do think is stupid about it, though, is that it's always been 48. You can have it up to 48 inches. And no one even considered it until Bryson did it in in a in something that perfectly describes the USGA. The USGA saw something they didn't like, and they went, and they went, oh no, um, let's panic and make a rule so that that can't happen. I, we don't want people playing 48 inch drivers. They'll hit it too far. 
if Bryson hadn't mentioned a 48-inch driver, this would not be a proposal. Plain and simple. If he didn't say, I'm thinking about playing a 48-inch driver, this literally would never come up. The USGA would have never thought to do this, would have never said, oh, 46 inches is the is the magic number. Like, everyone, I don't know anybody who plays a 46-inch driver. I know somebody who plays 45 and a half, 45 and three quarters, right? But a 45-inch, a 46-inch driver, there's not many guys out there who do it. Not on tour, not in amateurs, nothing. Maybe a taller guy probably plays a 46-inch driver, but what are we going to do for him? But in reality, this this rule can go through. I don't care. Most people aren't. It doesn't affect most people. The only reason, the only reason why this is even a thing is because of Bryson. And the fact that Bryson said, well, I'll give 48 inches a try if it helps me pick up a few extra yards. And the USGA is just totally being reactionary. And it's one of the reasons why the USGA is just a, a bad thing for the game of golf. They're the gatekeepers of the game of golf, and they are terrible for the game. Think of everything they've done from the spin rule to the anchored putter rule. Like, they do all these things that they see they don't like on a golf course when they watch the pros, but it affects guys at lower levels, and they don't think about that. They are obsessed with if they see something they don't like that Sam Snead didn't do, they're going to insist on changing it because that's not the way games always been played. And I hate it, and it drives me insane. But past 46 inches, I don't care. I think if they really wanted to make a difference, they would change it to 45 inches. Because one, most guys should be playing a 45-inch or below driver in the first place. Two, that would force manufacturers to actually have to make a 45-inch driver, not a 45-and-a-half-inch driver, and it would actually reduce distance. Reducing it to 46 inches does nothing. It just makes the USGA feel better about themselves. And then another proposal that they are bringing out is uh, testing drivers, iron or drivers, things like that, in terms of the characteristic time, which is the amount of time the ball spins on the face and the ball speed that it can produce, things like that. So those are three proposals. And then the fourth proposal is one that is uh, that we it basically sets a bifurcation, bifurcation. Basically, the pros have some rules. Amateurs have a different rule. So let's talk about these proposals and we'll kind of we'll kind of go through that, okay? Um, I mean, there are some other things in the report that we can talk about. Uh, ball specs such as size and mass. Reduction in the performance of drivers. So club length, like I said earlier. Club head dimensions, maybe reducing it down to 460. Um, changing the specs, like I said, on the spring-like effect. Uh, changing the MOI, so making drivers less forgiving, things like that. Um, utilize radius of gyration limitations. Radius of gyration, you know what that is? That's Cobra's new stuff. That is an, that is them going straight at Cobra. So, um, And then the other thing they want to do is create more spin from all clubs from all areas of the course. Okay? So let's break this down. Let's talk about it. And I will give you why I think that the USGA and RNA need to shut the hell up and leave the game as it is. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is we're I've already talked about club length, okay? Club length, reduce it to 46 inches. That's just the USGA patting themselves on the back. It's stupid and a complete waste of time. Now, 
we're going to reduce club head dimensions to something below 460 cc's. Okay, let's talk about that. So if we reduce to 460 cc, what's going to happen? Well, drivers get a little bit harder to hit. Now, the next question becomes, what are you going to reduce it down to? Are we taking it down to persimmon head style? Because last time I checked, golf has grown better than it has ever in 2020. And why are people playing this game? Because they can go outside, they can stay six feet apart, and they can be safe in it. And it's fun. You get to go out four hours, shoot the shit with your friends, have a couple of beers, hit the ball, long, straight, have fun with it, right? But what happens? We reduce it down to persimmon size? Ain't nobody going out in the game and playing with a persimmon driver now. They're just not doing it. I went to the range with it. I'm a decent golfer, right? I don't say that I'm a great golfer because I've played with great golfers. I'm a decent golfer. I took a persimmon driver out the other day just to hit it because I wanted to hear it. I wasn't raised in the persimmon era. I didn't join golf in the persimmon era. I don't know a single person that I know right now who would join, who would play the game of golf if they had to hit a persimmon style head. I, they just wouldn't play. All those people who go to Top Golf and have fun and hit the golf ball and enjoy themselves and they have a great time at Top Golf, if you gave them a persimmon head and told them that had to be their driver, they would not play the game of golf. It just wouldn't happen because it's not fun anymore. Okay? Now, if we want to sit here and say that the PGA Tour hits the ball too far, who cares? Don't care. It's too easy to hit the ball straight. Have you ever tried to hit the ball straight? It's not easy. Those guys are really good at golf. Hell, the PGA Tour slogan it used to be, these guys are good. Yeah, they're really, really good at golf. Everybody thinks that if you increase distance, which it shows if you are closer to the green, you have a better chance of scoring low. But everybody thinks that distance is the reason why this is happening. It is not happening because of distance. What's happening is guys can now hit it 320 yards and they hit it straight. Right, the week that Bryson didn't hit it straight was the Masters, and he looked terrible at the Masters. Jordan Spieth right now can't hit drivers straight, and he can't play golf right now. He's been in a two-year funk. He can't get off the tee box. He, Why are we trying to make it harder for Jordan Spieth to get off the tee box? Those guys hit it straight. They're really good. If you gave... If you gave the best drivers in the world, a persimmon, they would still hit it pretty straight. Maybe they spin it a little bit more, but here's the thing. If you reduce the distance of the driver, you're not just reducing the distance for all the players. Bryson does not come back to the field. Dustin does not come back to the field. What happens is Dustin still hits it further than everybody else, but now Zach Johnson doesn't hit it as far. And we talk about how we hate seeing these guys hit a driver wedge into a green and then they stick it close. Well, now they're going to hit driver six, eight iron, right? They're still going to stick it close because they're really good at golf. And then Zach Johnson now has to hit a six iron. It's going to broaden the gap between the two. If you watch F1, okay, F1, Formula One racing, I know there's not a lot of... L- l- the 
the circles in the Venn diagram don't overlap much. But if you do watch F1, Mercedes absolutely kills everybody in, in speed. I mean, Mercedes is finishing 1-2 every week unless something crazy happens and Red Bull finishes third or second. It's something crazy has to happen, though. And so what they were finding out is that Mercedes had all these engine modes and they were killing everybody in uh, in qualifying. But what they were doing is they were using what they called party mode in qualifying, which is a setting that you can use to do one lap really quick, but you cannot run the entire race on that setting because your engine will blow up, right? It gets too hot, use it too much, and the engine blows up, okay? So what they do, F1 in the middle of the season said, you know what? We're tired of Mercedes winning qualifying all the time. What we're going to do is we're going to make qualifying more interesting. Now, the setting you use in qualifying, you have to use in the race. So you're not going to use your party mode in qualifying. You're going to use your race. Well, what does that do? Well, now McLaren can't use party mode in qualifying either. So now you have Mercedes reducing their speed. But everybody else also has to reduce their speed. And you know what happened? Mercedes still qualified number one every week. They have the best driver. They have the best car. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, whether you make the ball spin more, whether you make it um, harder to hit the ball straight, more punishing on miss hits, Dustin Johnson is still going to hit the ball further than everybody else on tour outside of Bryce and DeChambeau. Those two are going to hit it the furthest, whether you make driver easier to hit or driver harder to hit. And now Bryson's going to go from the from the edge of the rough, the edge of the fairway, into the rough, or just a little bit deeper into the rough. But he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. He's going to have an 8-iron instead of a 6-iron. And he's still going to be able to knock it closer than everybody else. You're not doing anything with this. You're literally just making it a little bit harder to hit the ball. We talk about the artistry of the game and how, oh, I want to see more players hit cuts and draws and draws and and I want to see them shape the ball more. Don't care. I'm not even a guy who watches a lot of PGA Tour golf. I just don't, right? I didn't watch a ton growing up. I don't. On a Sunday, I'm watching football or I'm watching something else. On a Saturday, I'm watching my Houston Cougars play football, right? During baseball season, and I watch the I watch the uh, the majors Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I love watching the U.S. Open because I like seeing these guys get humbled a little bit. But at the same time, I don't care if they shoot twenty under because do you know what's really impressive? Shooting twenty under is really impressive. I don't care if you shoot twenty under by hitting a twenty yard fade or if you shoot twenty under hitting the ball straight. That's damn impressive, okay? So that's number one. Right? No matter what you change, and if you reduce the distance, it reduces the distance for everybody. It doesn't just reduce the distance for the long hitters. Dustin Johnson pounds the ball, and he pounds the ball pretty straight. Is he the straightest driver in the world? No. But you know what he is? He's much longer than everybody else. And he's still going to have that length advantage. The other thing I hear why we need to reduce distance is so that we can keep the classic courses still in play. Here's the thing. I don't care. As an amateur golfer, I don't care. 
I, why would I care if the PGA Tour and the U.S. Open can play at Shinnecock? Don't care. It's still really fun to watch the Masters at Augusta. Still love it. Still love watching those guys play at Augusta. You know what I loved? 2019, when we got to watch the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. Don't care that the winning score was like 14 under. Don't. Don't care. Awesome. Awesome course to watch. What are some other courses we can think of? Aaron Hills. That was like 22 under, I think, is what won. It was really fun to watch. Really fun to watch. Fun to watch it come down to the final couple of shots. Awesome. Don't care. Don't care that they shot 5,900 under. Don't care. Couldn't care less, honestly. If you don't like it, watch something else. Like, I know that's a terrible thing to say because why would we drive people away from golf? But I think this drives away more people than the PGA Tour being on TV does. It's the same people that complain about distance are the same people that complain about the PGA Tour coverage every single week. It's the same people every week. They hit the ball too far, but I want to see them hit more shots. Shut up. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't care if you hit driver wedge into it. It's also the same guys who bitch that club lofts are changed now. My 9-iron used to be a 7-iron. Don't care. Don't care. I don't care if you hit a 9 or a 7-iron into a green. It's a lot of people who care about others and what others think about them. Watch the guys hit the ball a mile and watch the guys hit the ball straight. It's impressive. No matter what. No matter what. Hell, this week Keegan Bradley is near the top. You think Keegan Bradley goes out there and just dominates and suffocates courses with his length? You can still win on the tour if you're not the longest hitter. Now, you have to have some distance. If you can't drive the ball 295, like you're going to struggle out there. But it is what it is. Get better. Right? Could you imagine if they told, like, let's see, who's Mike Trout? That, hey, man, um, people aren't watching this because you're really good at baseball. You hit the ball really far and you have a rocket arm. So we're going to say that you, all outfielders have to throw the ball into second base and you can't throw it home. No, 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 that's the rule. Because Mike Trout's too good at gunning guys out at home. King Griffey Jr., yeah, um, you're not allowed to climb center field anymore. No, 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 some guys can't climb center field wall like you can. And so to make it more fair, right, like the Orioles don't have a guy who can rob home runs like you can, so no one can rob home runs. That's stupid. Okay, the other thing that I keep hearing, I've heard this a bunch of times too, is when we talked about the bifurcation, right, where we're going to have amateur rules and we're going to have pro rules. In theory, makes sense. Love it. Yeah, it happens in a bunch of sports. Amateurs in baseball play with metal bats. Pros in baseball play with wood bats. Um, Let's see. Uh, uh, Footballs from high school to college and from college to – uh, professional. They're all different sizes. You're right. You're 
exactly right about all of that. The NBA three-point line is further back than the college three-point line. Yep. Yep, it is. But do you know what the difference is between those and golf? Amateurs play with the pros a lot in golf. Okay? Hell, the Masters, the most important golf tournament of the year. I don't care what anybody says. It's the one that people who don't know golf know the Masters. They don't really care about the U.S. Open. You never hear them say like, oh, you won the championship, right? Like, oh, he won a WGC. No, everyone wants to know how many Masters did he win, right? Everybody talks about the Masters. So I use that as a as a middle line here, right? The Masters, if you're an amateur and you win the Mid-Am, you win the USAM, you win like the Asian Amateur, you win the... Um, Central American amateur, like if you win any of these amateur tournaments, you get to move on. You get to you get to play at Augusta. Or if you're an amateur like in college, right? Um, we've had a bunch of guys. I mean, we can think of uh, Matthew Wolf. We go Jordan Speed did it. Like there's a bunch of guys who played a couple of years of college, one maybe two years of college, and then after their final college tournament, they went pro. That like next Monday they declared to be a pro. Hell, Tiger did it, right? Tiger played as an amateur in a couple of PGA Tour events. So we see amateurs play on the PGA Tour and in majors quite often. I know it doesn't happen like every week, but it is a thing that happens often enough that it happens more often than other sports. When was the last time you saw an amateur play in MLB or any of the lower lower uh minor leagues never it's never ha- it doesn't happen nba the guys sitting on the side of the road or the guy at rucker park who can ball out but he tries to go play nba he's probably not going to play nba and once he does if he does somehow he's no longer an amateur right so it's something that happens often well when they play in the PGA tournament, let's say they qualify for the PGA tournament, they do a Monday qualifier. How are they, what clubs do they use? Do they use the smaller persimmon head or do they use their 460 driver that is that they use in college? Well, they're going to have to use the persimmon head. Well, when should they practice with the persimmon head? Should they do it while they also practice with the 460 head? What's the cutoff? Where's the cutoff? Right? Is it college golf? Do college golfers have to use like the modified golf ball, but not the modified driver clubs? Um, okay, well, a lot of college golfers want to play the PGA, so the NCAA goes okay. Now we're going to um, make the rules the same as the PGA Tour. Okay, cool. All the equipment rules same as the PGA Tour because they're they're advocating for a local rule. AKA the PGA tour has their own rules versus the USGA. Um, so they're advo- they're advocating for that. Okay. So now the cutoff is college. Okay. So those high school kids that are using the 460 CC drivers, and let's say they're bombing it, right? They're playing golf. Now they move up to college and they can't quite hit that persimmon as well. They're done, right? They're done. 
It's over. It happens. Sometimes when you move up in competition, you may be better. Okay. You want to make that the cutoff, okay? So what about the mid-am, the U.S. mid-am? Right? The mid-ams for anybody 25 and older um, who wants to play. A lot of those guys who are good there win their club championships, things like that. Okay, so they want to play in their club championship, and they if they don't use a 460 driver and they don't use a – uh, standard golf ball, the non-modified golf ball, the the golf ball that we currently have. Let's say they use that and their 460 head to win their club championship. Okay, so now they're going to go to the mid-am. And the mid-am says you have to use the smaller head and the more spin ball. Well, wait a minute. When's he supposed to do that? He just played his whole season with his other clubs. Okay, so now he has to buy two sets of clubs. We've now made the cost of the game more expensive for him, for a better player. right? He's going to have two drivers, two sets of golf balls, right? Maybe two dozen of each. Um, who knows what we're going to do with irons and wedges? Who knows, right? Let's see. Yeah, so we've just made the game substantially more expensive for this man. Okay. All right, so maybe in the mid-AM you can use your your special driver, your 460 driver. All right, well, congrats. You won the mid-AM. Now you're going to go play in, play in Augusta, or maybe you go, man, maybe I can give this a go, and I want to try for the PGA Tour. Now you need all new clubs. You need all new clubs. So when we talk about this idea of bifurcation and how it will only affect the pros, that's hogwash. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Because you know what else was only going to affect the pros? The groove rule. Everybody remember that? 2010, 2011, somewhere in there? That all your clubs had to conform to new grooves? You could still use your clubs till 2024. Try to go play in a club championship with old clubs that don't conform. Most everybody says you have to use your, your, your uh, current clubs. Conforming clubs. Manufacturers don't even make non-conforming wedges anymore. Right, if you want one, because hell, it's still good for three years. If you want one with the old box grooves, can't do it. Sorry, we can't do it for you. Can't get it done. But that rule was only going to affect the pros and wasn't really going to move down to the amateur ranks till 2024. High levels of competition. Well, no, that didn't happen. Let's see. Um, anchored putting. Remember, we had this whole controversy because dudes were winning majors. <coughs> Adam Scott was winning majors with the um, with a broomstick putter. Broomstick putter helped a lot of golfers, senior golfers. A lot of golfers who were pretty good but weren't the greatest putters, but they found a way to get the ball in the hole. That's the whole point of the game is to get the ball in the hole in as few strokes as possible. That's the whole goal of the game. We took away anchored putting, and that was just because we overreacted to some stuff that was happening on tour. Meanwhile, 70-year-olds were performing and playing the best golf of their life because they found a way to putt. They had the shanks over the ball because their hands couldn't be steady. They could steady themselves. And what did we do? We did it because Adam Scott won the Masters. What a shame. What an absolute shame. The other thing that cracks me up, you look at the release from the USGA, 
and the RNA, right? And they talk about, we need to do this, all this crap that they came up with. And one of the things they said was they wanted to produce more spin from all clubs, from all areas of the course. Then why the hell did you take away the box grooves? The idea behind the box grooves was that people were generating too much spin from the rough and it was getting easier to hit the ball close to the green from the rough. So again, if we wanted to talk about adding spin from all clubs, from all areas of the course, we shouldn't have gotten rid of box grooves. The USGA and the RNA don't know what the hell they're doing. They make up a rule and then figure out that they don't like what that rule does on the top level of the game. And then they go, whoa, we have a problem. We're not producing enough spin. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. You took away the way we're able to create spin. You said people were making and creating too much spin. Literally 10 years ago, you said this. You said this 10 years ago that we got to get rid of box screws to save this game. And you did. And it created the problem we're in now. And so now what we're trying to do is we're trying to change up the golf ball because it doesn't spin enough, but it doesn't spin enough on irons and wedges because you messed with the equipment 10 years ago. You've made all the rules that got us to this point. Everyone has been following your rules, the rules you created. And now you want to say, Wait a minute. These guys are too good now. Shinnecock won't be able to host the U.S. Open anymore. So let's change the rules for every golfer so that we can make sure Aaron Hills, Shinnecock, and all the other courses in the Northeast can still be played on by the PGA Tour. Get over yourself, USGA. The game is going to develop. We are going to move forward in this game. And if you want to say they're changing the rules only for the pros and not for you because of the local rule, I say bullshit. Plain and simple. They are not here to change the rules just for the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour may create some local rules, but as we all know, shit rolls downhill. And if the PGA Tour is doing it, it's going to trickle down to us. Why? Because club companies pay a lot of money to PGA Tour pros to play their clubs. 
And when they do that, they have to create clubs for the tour player. And when they do that, we all want them. That's why they pay the money for the tour players. So don't be fooled by this idea that we are going to change it only for the PGA Tour. Because remember, this is the only sport where amateurs on a week-to-week basis have the opportunity to play with the pros. I cannot think of another sport that does that. You cannot convince me one does. You will not see a Sunday league hockey player outside of David Ayers suiting up for their for their local hockey team and then have drastically different rules. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. I challenge you to find me a sport that it does happen. So all in all, I never wanted to touch this, but I think the USGA is full of it. I think the RNA is full of it. I think that what they are going to do is make this game more difficult for everybody despite the fact that we just saw record growth in the golf industry. More people play golf. More people have bought clubs this year than we have seen in decades. And what's the USGA want to do? They want to say, you know what? This game's too easy. And this game's too easy for the 0.1% of the people at the highest level. So we're going to change it for everybody. It's a shame. They should be ashamed of themselves. They should be embarrassed that this is even a thing. So with that being said, I'm going to sign off and hopefully never talk about this again. I'd love to talk to you about this. Find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at The Green Fee. You can find me on Twitter at The Green Fee 1. On Instagram, I am at The Green Fee. On YouTube, I'm at The Green Fee. I haven't really created much content over there. Kind of been locked up. You guys don't just want to see me talking like I have done in the past. So I hope to be doing more in the spring with that. Um, And the blog website where you will find um, that I post two, three times a week is thegreenfee.wordpress.com. One more big announcement that I want to thank you guys for. I was recently informed that I am a top 100 golf podcast in the United States and I am top 50 in Australia. I can't thank you more for helping me achieve that. That's a huge goal for me, and I think it's awesome that enough people listen to a guy who sits in a in an extra bedroom in his in his house while he uh, while his wife sits outside and uh, tries to make as little noise as possible. I think it's great. I want to thank you guys for it. Again, all I ask is that you spend a minute and a half of your time clicking five stars on the uh, podcast app of your choice, leaving a small review, and then share me with one of your golf buddies. That's all I ask. All I ask is that you share one episode, maybe this episode, with one of your golf buddies. That's all I ask. Not ask much. No money required. No anything like that. I appreciate all my listeners. I want to thank you guys so much for sticking around. Hit them straight. Have a great week.